0: Welcome to our latest co-hosted podcast. I'm Chuck Marple, your host, here with my co-host Karen E. How are you doing today, Karen?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Just enjoying some gloomy weather here, but I hear you've got sunshine over there.
0: Yep, it's sunny and almost 75 degrees here in western Georgia today. A little too warm for December 6th for Georgia, but we'll take it over having the 20s and things that you've had. We already had the 30s recently, so it's crazy times. So our first topic today we're going to look at is the Senate race here in Georgia. This is the last national race to be decided. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference for a whole bunch of reasons. For one big thing for the Democrats, they already have the, the majority of voting when they need. However, they have to have a power sharing so that the chairman and co chairman of it have equal membership on them and they can't be outvoted. It has to be a negotiated thing. If if Senator Warnock is put back in office, then all the committees will have majority of the Democratic thing. And that makes a big difference.
1: Yeah, I, I, this whole thing is interesting. I, I really feel like in the general election that... Senator Warnock could have won if there wasn't another candidate that pulled, you know, tens of thousands of votes away. He just missed that fifty percent majority, and I've I've heard that uh, the Republicans have asked Trump to not come to mm-hmm. Georgia to speak for Walker because they think that that actually may hurt them. But it's. It's still interesting to me that somebody so unqualified could have made it this
0: far in a Senate. Well, there's a lot. We'll get to that in a moment. But the, one of the problems, and I just read the reasoning behind it, which is not surprising being being here in parts of the South, is that the whole runoff uh, concept was to limit uh, to, to limit Black participation. And it's certainly shown, shown that in the past six years four years, five years with, with Kemp and the legislature and so on, trying to limit a black vote out there. And the the runoff thing was, now the runoff is a strange, strange concept and we're the only state that has that for all elections. It requires to have a 50% plus one vote. So 50.001 or something along that line, is what it takes to win. Reverend Warnock had a lead of over a point, but it was 49.5 to 48.4, whatever it was, something along that line. He did not reach that threshold of 50%, so they had to go to this runoff. Now, think of that concept. Tens of millions of dollars was already spent on the original election in this state for the Senate. Probably another 50 or $60 million was spent on this runoff to do something that on the point of it doesn't make any sense because 99% of the country winner wins. There's none of this runoff. They do have something in California and in, in Alaska and some other states called ranked voting rank 40 is a little bit different in that it's not really a runoff type thing but it allows a person to pick who they want first but then who they want second who they want third and so on so that allows it to if there's nobody gets enough votes from the first one then they can go around until they get to somebody who has the majority of twos ones and and so on which makes a little bit more sense in this runoff concept but back to walker I find it amazing that the governor, Kemp, and other people are saying that they, it's more important to get Walker in there because he's going to be a check on Biden. Now, number one, he's not going to be a check on Biden, really and truly. He's a freshman, he would be a freshman senator who's got a bad rep to begin with. He's not going to be a check on Biden. But they, that's not what it's even about. But that's what they want to argue because they can't argue merits of the men. It is an obvious that Walker is not a good candidate. Where Warnock has already shown that he cares about Georgia. And he's also worked across the board. He's worked with Ted Cruz to put a new, that's going to make a new interstate going from all the way from, through uh, from Texas all the way into uh, hitting I-75, I believe it is, through Georgia. And Cruz, Ted Cruz and Warnock work together he worked together with Tommy Tuberville and and some things that involve peanuts and agriculture so he's done the work he knows what's going on but we can go on you know what are you thinking about Walker
1: I I have a lot of thoughts um you know I'm I've always been a big believer I I don't necessarily agree with everything with AOC but I liked that she was somebody who came from ordinary life. She was a bartender, I believe, and came into government. And I, I really like that idea that anybody could represent the people, you know, from any place. You know, you could come from nothing and, and work in the government. And so I guess on one hand, newcomers to politics doesn't bother me, but to have somebody like, and I don't even want to say that athletes shouldn't be in politics because some athletes are able to, to come in and, and do things when they, they stand for something or they have beliefs that they've shown consistently. But there's not really anything consistent about him. Um, he, how he acts in his private life is not what he's saying as part of his platform. And, and in, in some instances, that's fine except for if you're voting on things that impact other people. You know, you're a man that has, it's been proven he paid for at least one abortion, if not more. And you're telling women that they can't have an abortion. Okay, dude, this doesn't look good. You've got the money to pay for it. So it doesn't impact you. You can make it, you can help anybody travel anywhere to where it's legal, but you're going to turn around and, and say that it shouldn't happen. And on that point, I... I just, I think he's despicable, but then I I know that he is amongst some of the group that had a lot to say about, I just forgot his name in Pennsylvania, Fetterman that had the stroke and, and have they had a doctor say that he for sure doesn't have, you know, that concussion syndrome that a lot of NFL players have. I don't think he's been tested for that. And some of the crazy crap that he says doesn't sound coherent to me. So we've never talked about his fitness for office as far as if he has a brain injury. So I don't know about that. <laughs>
0: you know. Yeah. He may very well have CTE and uh, you know, they can't know, know about that till they have an aut- autopsy and you get back to some of the strange things he said. Now we, I think we've talked about it before, but his, his comments about the bad China air coming over to, to Georgia here and that we clean the air up in Georgia and send good air back to China, and they send their bad air on that. But this, this one, this over, this recently, they've got, a, they had a wonderful ad on where they showed these people listening to his commentary. The biggest commentary about it was this recent thing about watching a late-night movie. And on that late-night movie, it was about vampires and werewolves. And he spent a lot of time talking about he had not realized the werewolf could kill a vampire. So he said, it's better to be a werewolf than a vampire. And the people have, some of them have, most of them have earphones on, they just listen to it. And the incredulity of those people say, and one guy says out of that, he he says, it's embarrassing. And and, uh, your mother and I both agree that should Walker go to the Senate from this state, that he will, it is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It was, bad, it was bad enough, Tommy Tuberville did not know where the three branches of government was when he went from Alabama. But at least he had, well, he, he's done some things there, uh, you know. He hasn't talked about all these uh, inconsistency about abortion, about violence. Uh, you know, he's, he, he flipped off and, and told some fans, F you, a few times. They showed a commercial about that because we get to see a lot of Alabama stuff being right on the border. So it is it, interesting, but it, this whole thing about the Republican Party being willing to overlook morality—we know that from what they were overlooked with the former president. With yeah, the with the former and that, president,
1: like, and that's one thing I I still don't understand. With you know, especially evangelical Christians, like, doesn't this stuff matter to you? Like, doesn't it? Like, you're willing to overlook the fact that Trump cheated, has cheated on every wife he's had it, it, and, you know, gotten someone else pregnant while married to a different person? Like, you're fine with that? You know, you're like, oh, it's his personal business. Well, well that's weird. Like, you know, to some extent, I, I get annoyed hearing about politicians' personal lives. I don't necessarily care. But don't preach that you're the party of morality when so many people in your party have done some pretty terrible things, you know, like Matt Gates, he's going to end up, I I guarantee he was part of the underage sex nonsense and he's going to end up getting away with that. And I was, I was amazed about that. it, It doesn't make any sense. It's like, I, it really feels like they just keep pushing the limits of what, should be normal and accepted as far as, you know, you talk about morality, like, well, Trump didn't mean that or Trump. Well, that was in the past or like Walker is he's he's saved now, you know, doesn't anybody get forgiveness? Doesn't anybody get to grow and develop? That's not what's going on here. You know, like, and I don't even I don't even know if Senator Warnock has any skeletons in his closet, but. From what i've been able to find about him he's pretty
0: much walked straight and narrow path his whole life yeah even the, the little bit about they tried to say that he ran his car over his ex-wife's foot they've got a police report on it to show that she had not had any injury there's no there was no visible injury from anything and he was never charged but they also had an advertisement a little earlier about from a detective who had investigated the walker thing and he said that had it been anybody but Herschel walker back there 20 years ago when some of this was going on he would have been immediately taken into custody and because he was Herschel walker in this heisman trophy star but you know you you make a point about about the evangelicals they try and, and tell us that they are people who follow jesus and that people can do it i have yet to see many of them truly follow what jesus said one of the biggest things as we look towards christmas and this this very sacred time is that jesus came into a very humble background they came into a very humble background. He did not come the roaring king that they expect. That's the second coming. That first coming was not as the roaring king that the Jews had hoped for and were, was expecting. He came in, a, in an area. He wasn't even born in a home. He came to a 15 or 16-year-old mother. He, they, they had to travel from Nazareth, which I just found out was a city that is 90 miles from Jerusalem. And they had to travel, travel to, to beyond Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And it's 90 miles, and Nazareth has only 400 people. And not only that, there's, there's one part in, in, the, uh, in, in the Gospels that talks about Nazareth. And they were saying, this man from Nazareth, how can he be? Nothing good ever comes from Nazareth. I found out that really wasn't the best town to, to be from. Uh, But but again, many of these so-called Christians don't have humility. They don't have the willingness to forgive. They want forgiveness for them and for for Walker's redemption and everything, but they don't want to forgive others. The things they say about each other, about other people, are horrible. Are horrible. And and it's only going to get worse. And that leads us into our next one. Go ahead. Well, I just
1: say one one more thing. What is really interesting about this thing with Walker and Warnock is that they're both black men. So, you know, they they can't default to any sort of racist tropes to attack either one. You know, because there are there are racist liberals, sadly, and so like I think that is probably one of the most interesting things is, you know, they can't, they can't go that route with this because both of them are black men, which I think is probably got to be historically significant.
0: It's historically significant. But the reality is, and I could get get flack from some people about this. Uh, one of the big people in fiction is Uncle Tom from Uncle Tom's Cabin. And back when the civil rights movement was going on, and much earlier than that, sometimes they refer to a person who uh, was less than kind to his own race as an Uncle Tom. And they called people tomming, black people tomming, when they tried to be, they wanted to be to uh, to white people. And one of the things I found very interesting with uh, with Walker is that 95% of the people around him, when they show him getting off his bus and his supporters, have been white, and a good portion of them were white men. When you look at, uh, at Warnock getting off of his bus, you'll see probably nearly 50-50. Yes, you'll see a lot of black people, but you'll see an awful lot of white people too. One other thing, and I'll, I'll finish up with talking about, uh, about this thing is that they found out that the, that the majority of white people, yes, voted in the, in the election for Walker, particularly white men. But they also found one very, very interesting fact that the more educated white people voted almost 50-50 for Warnock and Walker. The people with less than a college education went much higher for Walker. And that, that's kind of a kind of an interesting thing. Because that leads us into one of my pet things. There are two fantastic documents in our history. One of them we haven't achieved, and that's the equality talked about in Declaration of Independence. But Declaration of Independence is a wonderful, wonderful document in that. Jefferson, who owned slaves and had a family from slavery, slaves, and they led into future generations even to this day, uh, wrote, who's the primary author, is a relatively young man, of the Declaration. And its goals in there are fabulous, are really fabulous. So we set this country's goals from the Declaration of Independence. We add, we made a little bit more specifics in the preamble to the US Constitution. But the US Constitution is a document that has lasted for about 240 years, roughly. And everybody, every president up until the last one followed the Constitution. There wasn't any, con- any, any question, even when they didn't agree with the results, they left and they said this is it we we accept defeat the last president to this day has not accepted defeat why do i bring up the constitution well for those of you who don't know and i bet the majority of you know that in fact the former president donald john trump has said the constitution should be abrogated and he should be put back in power the constitution should be abrogated any, any person in this country who believes that should happen is acting almost a treasonous this matter. And for a man who had been president to talk about violating the law of the land, they've made that and all the states that signed that agreed that the Constitution was going to be the final arbiter of the law. Nothing, no other law can supersede what's in the Constitution. They tried to make three relatively co-equal branches so nobody would get too powerful and there wouldn't be too many laws. Well, that didn't work out. We have a lot of laws. But the point of it is that the Constitution is the final way of how we do a business. And for a former president to th- to come out and say that the Constitution should be put aside to put him back in power is disgusting. It's disgusting. Nothing can do it. I taught U.S. history and government for over 20 years as part of my 32 teach- year teaching career. I taught democracy was good and that we were a great country because we were able to do it. Yes, we had flaws and I taught the flaws and they should be taught. The flaws about how women have been treated, how black people have been treated, Native Americans have been treated, Japanese Americans during World War II had been treated. All those were bad things, but we still became a great nation despite our flaws great nations become great despite their flaws but for an ex president to come out and say the constitution should be set aside for him to have power is disgusting
1: i think this is the point where republicans are going to show their true colors i really think if you are conservative and you are a representative in the republican party you they they've taken this side of the constitution above everything so now is your chance he's just attacked what you've said all these years is your guiding document and that's what you swear by so this is the point i think where people are going to be able to see who's loyal to this country who's loyal to the constitution and who's loyal to one man and that will be that i i'm jazzed that he said that i think this is amazing he's pretty much done you know his his supreme court has turned against him. His military has turned against him. You know, in, in Mark Milley, not doing what he wanted him to do on January 6th. And some of the leadership, Mitch McConnell's not exactly on his side anymore either. So everybody's turning against him. This is, to me, a last ditch effort. You know, this is like the final breaths of an irrelevant person who happens to be a former president, just, you know, kind of fighting as he circles the drain.
0: I mean, yeah, some of the senators have been a little bit faster to reply than the, the representatives. And that brings us to another problem with this. And one of the ironies of it is that the first thing that uh, that McCarthy said, should he become speaker on the opening day of it, is they're going to read the entire Constitution aloud and into the record. Now, Matt, it sounds like something wonderful, something special. Every time they've opened Congress, they've done and read the Constitution there. It's nothing special. But if they truly want to believe in the Constitution, then they've got to be critical of a person who wants to abrogate the Constitution for their own gain. You can't handle both ways, people. You can't for the Constitution, but if you are, then you should be against people who are trying to overrule the Constitution. And they have no right to, to do anything less. It she be universally condemned what he said. A few people have, but there's still a lot of wishy-washiness in the Republican Party. And it's sad. A lot
1: of sidestepping side and beating around the bush. And and I honestly don't think that they have anything to fear. And I, I read an article a few days ago where, you know, Trump has tried to go after Ron DeSantis and he has said – I I know I can tell you things about Ron DeSantis that will make you hate him and all this other stuff. And DeSantis has told his camp and his people, shh, shh, stay quiet. We're not responding to him because it starts to make him look like this crazy person. Like once DeSantis got reelected, he went almost silent. He's not in the news. I'm not seeing a whole lot. And I think that that is strategic. And I think other Republicans would do well to get behind him. That's how, I don't love DeSantis either, but
0: that's how they get Trump mm. out of their party.
1: Yeah. The fundraising powerhouse.
0: Because he is a Trump, he, he's a Trumpism without being Trump, without the baggage. He's got his own baggage, but it's not the baggage, certainly not the baggage that the former president has. The former president, I, I still think, if you look at stuff he said back in the 1990s and 1980s, although it wasn't a great thing, that he did have the ability to talk intelligently. Now he doesn't have the ability to talk intelligently. He, his, his speaking isn't fabulously better than Walker's has been. The things he said are so strange and so odd. Yeah, uh, it's been like that for a while, though. Yeah, you know, it's been like that since then. Yeah. you. One of his best friends was, was Regis Philbin, and Regis Philbin on his show used to make fun and call him, him the Donald. And if you look at popular things, be that television uh, and books and things, he's mentioned an awful lot, and not generally in the most flattering ways. To go back to the Golden Girls in the 1980s, they hadn't even mentioned him before, and other things. Interestingly enough, he was in Home Alone too, and they actually excised that little piece out in the latest release of it a few years ago. It's, it's, it's an ama- amazing thing. Uh, one thing we can look forward to, and I haven't really mentioned to my co-host, I'm hoping that later on this week we can do a second podcast after this election and talk about what we're leading into the next one. So if you're amenable to that, we'll, we'll try and do that later this week, people. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. Again... My background of a historian is just an, an unbelievable, crazy, crazy uh, situation that he could come out and say that, and say those things. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, just,
1: it's, <laughs> it's pretty insane. You know, we I, I feel like we are like one Pat Cipollone, one... General Mark Milley, one, you know, Michael Cohen. We're one person away from catastrophe at any given point with him. You know, somebody always seems to swoop in and save him from himself and save us from him. You know, I mean, to the
0: point, point and of course you, you appreciate that for what he did. Milley actually called his uh, counterpart in Russia and said, Look, don't get any crazy about it. We've made sure that nothing's going to be done. Nothing's going to happen. In this in this time period, from the end of the election till the man, time the command has gone, and he and Millie also, I, I, I know, he said that, that he went to all the subordinates and said nothing is to be done without my say so. Don't take any order from the president, that no matter what, the or, or secretary of defense or anybody that doesn't have my okay in there first. And I've got to have a lot of respect for that general for doing that. That's a lot of. Uh, that's
1: a. That's a lot of responsibility on one person, you know, because at the lowest levels in the military, you assume that the orders that you're given are lawful, you know, and that the officers and um, senior enlisted above you have understand that that this is what you do. You you assume any order that you would get would be coming through General Milley. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing how – how that day went i think a lot of people felt a lot of dread in some of those positions of leadership
0: oh and and you know the thing of it is that one of the most important basis of our kind of our government is civilian control the military and for them to say "Uh-uh," the commander-in-chief cannot be allowed to use the military as his uh, his own For his own purposes whether that is is putting sending troops into the cities like he wanted to do sending clear technically even clearing out at lafayette square was probably quite close to being illegal because of how it was done and so many other things but for for general Milley to go to go step in and say look yes, we have civilian control of the military, but in this case, we're not going to allow it to happen if this man orders us to do something that we feel is illegal or immoral. It's not going to happen. I think he had to be one of the most frustrated people on January 6th that he was tied up and was not able to help those people in Congress immediately. Yeah, you
1: know, if you look at the I just looked it up because I don't know it by heart. I I have a vague idea of what is in there in what order. But the oath of enlistment says, I, state your name, to solemnly swear for or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That's where we start. We start with the Constitution. And then from there, you know, I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. And I will obey the orders of the President of the United States, let me click on this, make it bigger, and the orders of the officers appointed over me. And so, you still are are on the hook, because the last thing is, according to the regulations and the Uniform Court of Military Justice, a, an order has to be lawful, and an order if an order is not lawful, you don't have to do it. Now, you'd be hard-pressed to fight that, you'd have to really understand that it was not a lawful order. I mean, something like, shoot these civilians, or go bomb over there, and you know that's not your target. But, the Constitution is first, for a reason.
0: Mm-hmm. And so it, like the thing it's written,
1: it's, written, it's written in a way that no person stands above the ideals on which the government was founded.
0: Right, and, and no branch does either completely. At times, does the Congress have to take take a lead? Yes. At times, does the president have to delete? Yes. Uh, debatable depending on what the court does the court should never be political and yet they, they become political well that's a whole different we could spend a whole podcast and just talk about the court yeah. uh but you know it, it gets to that that point that is it's the president himself or herself if it comes to that takes the oath that karen said up until the part that directly involves the military, it's the same exact oath. It's, it's because even the, even the, the ones for the for the for the military like that, that add the military part of it, all get their basis on that oath that is stated in the Constitution. Every single president except one who took, who affirmed it, I think there's just one that affirmed it. Everybody else has 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 sworn it because one didn't, could not be a, by his religion could take an oath uh they they've they've done that and they've abided by that for the most part i mean nixon tried to but nixon was no comparison on this one i mean i've got to say that the former president made four, two former presidents look a heck of a lot better than they were at the time george w bush certainly and even richard nixon they made him look a lot better on a more fun topic for us in Georgia. It was a wonderful, wonderful football weekend for the for GGA. We are now the SEC champions, B L S U in convincing fashion. Although I did tell your mother that when they brought that when they, when their lead quarterback got injured and they brought in a new quarterback that had some experience, I said it's going to be a problem for Georgia because they were not planning their defenses built around who they know. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in and does something different, and they were able to score 30 points on the Georgia defense, which is an amazing thing because Georgia defense has allowed less than 20 points on average for the entire 13-game. I think it's 13-game one now. So it's it's quite a thing. They're SEC champions. They're number one. They're number one in the college football rankings, and they're going after it. And I'll let you respond first. I got one more thing I want to add to that.
1: I have nothing on Georgia football.
0: <laughs> I, <have nothing> <laughs> I don't watch a lot of college football anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for listeners who know about this, I I take great pride in, in uh, Karen knowing a lot about pro football and college football. She got her got her, her boots in the there in college football, going to SU football games, learning about the game, and then because of college football watching Donna and watching Donovan McNabb go up to Philadelphia, she became an expert on the NFL. We could go all the time about talking about, the, about fo- that football, but I got to get this point in. And now Stetson Bennett, the fourth, is one of the finalists for the Heisman Trophy, which is quite the honor. Even you could desiccate it later on. A few people have, like Johnny Manziel and, and others. And certainly the I is running for Senate here, but we won't go there. So they're going to play in the Peach Bowl against Ohio State and uh, if the Bowl is going to have the Horn frogs of tcu and by the way versus undefeated michigan by the way when i was a kid i made a horned frog as a pet oh. we had it up at a cottage and somehow uh, and my best friend had one too and we had those as little pets and then somehow they both escaped i don't think they survived the winter up there because they were there from the southwest but they're a the cute little thing. They, they get they puff up and their little spines would come out. I mean, be, they, were, they were adorable. So that's the horned frog. I've always been, been impressed by TCU's horned frog, although the mascot is funny looking. But there's so, so much going on. And one of, one of the things that we've had uh, kind of scary for us here in, in uh, western Georgia is we live right at the border with Alabama. And we have a river called the Chattahoochee River that starts way up be- beyond Atlanta in the mountains and comes down into uh, the Gulf eventually. And uh, it's a separation between uh, Alabama and Georgia. The entire river is considered uh, Georgia territory, so I can cross over and fish from either side with my license, Georgia license. Uh, we have a river walk and Karen has seen what the river walk is like she's been out here a couple times on here And, see, and walked the river walk and then and been on the bridge till goes across to Alabama We can walk across to Alabama And on the other side of the river walk they have they have a uh, Alabama river walk and on Saturday afternoon these, This man was walking his dog and another man was over there and some guy at 3 p.m. On a Saturday came up and killed them both so that's, that's, that, that, there's this thing about violence now, this, this gun violence. And I' go, we're not going to go into a lot of detail about right now, but we need to be thinking of a country uh, about our country and its love of guns no matter what, and the kinds of guns, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And listen, just, just think uh, think about the gun violence that we have that many, many cities, particularly in the midst of the pandemic, had the highest rates of murder that they had had in 20 years. And it's continuing. We're averaging 600 a year, 600 a year, multiple uh, victims in mass shootings. Mass shootings is three or more people shot. They're averaging two to three a day sometimes.
1: It doesn't make any sense. You know, they, it, I, <clears throat> you have people that want to protect the right to have guns and, and they use a line like, well, criminals don't follow laws, so more laws won't help. And it feels like we're not even trying to make it better.
0: No, and the, the, the odd thing is if they go back and look, uh, the assault weapons ban that was in place until George W. Bush became president did, in fact, cut back on the killings and the mass shootings. Did they stop completely? No. But boy, did they spike after the ban ended and people could go out and buy them. Just one more word on there and then we'll conclude on something else. And that is that These weapons were designed to kill people. No other purpose. Assault weapons were designed exactly for assault weapons. Yes, they're semi-automatic, and there are many semi-automatic weapons out there. All right, I have been a gun owner. I've had semi-automatic weapons. Not all semi-automatic weapons are the same. My, my weapons over the years, I never had one that had a more than 15, 17-round magazine. I didn't have banana magazines that hold 50 rounds, and you could back-to-back back, back magazines and then flip them over and have another 50 rounds. That, that wasn't happening. But with these assault weapons, you can, in fact, do that. So, you know, it's just something you we think about with the gun violence. It just frustrated me that these two, uh, one, the dog work was particularly an innocent victim, doing it in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I just want to bring up one of the very, very latest pieces of new, a couple of them, um, that the January 6th grand jury has subpoenaed, subpoenaed records from Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona involving all the correspondence between the Trump campaign, Trump, and the state groups in there, all of it. And it looks like today they the January sixth committee has decided to make criminal referrals to the DOJ. Now, will DOJ DOJ going to make criminal uh, criminal uh, uh, indictments? I'm sure they would, anyway, But we will see. And the big question is, as part of those referrals, and I'm hoping to find out sooner than later, as uh, part of those referrals going to be doing the grand master of it all, Donald Trump. (laughs) We can't only hope. Any final words, Karen, today?
1: Not really. We talked about a bunch of different things, and there's a lot going on, so it will be good to come back around later on this week and see what's happened in the last couple of days.
0: I agree. So thank you, Karen, and thank you for, for listeners. And I noticed in the last few months, we are getting more listeners than we had in a while, and I pre- we appreciate that. And God bless you. And, you know, we are looking towards the Christmas season. So uh, those of you who are uh, Christians, and I mean, the ones, the two Christ followers, and to everyone anyways, let, let me wish you a, uh, a good season for next day or two. And we'll be back maybe Thursday or Friday this week. Maybe, probably not tomorrow, but Thursday or Friday. So God bless you. God bless this great nation. And God bless its legitimate leaders. And Lord, please, thank Reverend Warnock, the next senator from Georgia. I don't want to be embarrassed to say I'm from Georgia now. And thank you all. Goodbye.